Listen closely. You hear that? That's the sound of all the DeMontis Sabonis haters out there not saying a damn thing once again after Sabonis collects his fourth triple-double of the season, his 18th as a Sacramento King, helping lead to a bounce-back 120-105 Kings victory over the Phoenix Suns on a night where De'Aaron Fox made Kings history. We'll discuss it all right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And you best believe we're going to talk about DeMondis Sabonis, all right, and the big night that he had. But before we get to that, if you have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, more importantly, if you've been following the Sacramento Kings really over the past season and some change, you would know that bouncing back after bad losses and bad performances, is what this Kings team does. I laid it out for you after that Boston Celtics loss. I told you, this Kings team, if we know they are capable of anything, it's coming up with the ability to come back, turn around after a, a tough performance, and some say that that loss to the Boston Celtics where they gave up 144 points on Wednesday night, that was their worst loss of the season. Regardless if you think that or not, the Kings have had far too many blowout losses this season. Going back to last season, there are some beatdowns in there as well, and seemingly every single time, I can really only think of one occasion, which was earlier this season in Houston, the two straight against the Rockets. Basically, every single time after the Kings get beaten down, they turn around and bounce back and get a big performance out of somebody or, in tonight's case, multiple guys. Basically, the entire starting lineup. They All five of them had great nights. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit on today's show. But the Kings... It, it is in their nature. It, it, it has now become a, a pattern. It's what they are known for now, to be able to bounce back and respond from adversity from one game to another. Now, what's next for the Kings is being able to respond to adversity in the middle of a game, right? When they're, when they're getting beaten down, when they're in the midst of unraveling. We've seen this season... When Sacramento starts to fall apart, they really fall apart, right? And quickly they find themselves in 20 or 30-point holes. They look like they've been completely taken out of the game. Their energy just isn't the same. Mentally, they check out. We talked about that mental weakness of the Sacramento Kings after that Boston Celtics game. And I was very clear with you. I said that I don't think we were going to see the lessons learned from Wednesday night's loss tonight. Because we've seen the Kings do this before, right? We've seen the Kings many times bounce back after a bad loss. We are going to see the lessons learned on Wednesday's beatdown by the best team record-wise in the NBA, Boston Celtics, by the way. We are going to see those lessons learned or how the Kings have learned from beatdowns like that and their struggles in the second night of a back-to-back tomorrow night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But I really like to see how the Kings responded tonight 
on the defensive end of the floor. Anytime they can hold a team to just over 100 points, it's a success, especially a team with so many weapons like the Phoenix Suns. Now, of course, they're without Bradley Beal right now. They've been so basically the entire season. And they are without Yusuf Nurkic, which was a big deal because Nurkic is a good battle for DeMondis Sabonis. And at times, Nurkic has gotten the better end of that battle. Sabonis has sometimes struggled against centers the size and, and, and weight of Yusuf Nurkic. Well, tonight, Nurkic wasn't playing. Sabonis took full advantage. But you know who was playing was Kevin Durant. The Sacramento Kings beat the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix earlier this season without Kevin Durant. And there are a lot of people saying, okay, once the Kings actually face the Suns with Durant, it's going to be a completely different story. Well, not tonight. Kings win by 15 points. They led basically start to finish in this game with Kevin Durant playing. And look, it's sour grapes. I fully recognize that it's sour grapes. Kevin O'Connor has, from the ringer, has risen in the... If there's, a, if there's a power rankings of, like, disliked media members in Sacramento, uh, Kevin O'Connor is certainly on the way up. He might be top two, top three at this point with some of the things that he said this season. I've certainly clapped back at him. His friends Deuce and Moe have clapped back at him, and, and he had that ridiculous tweet during the Celtics game where the, the Boston Celtics had broken the Sacramento Kings, and here the Kings are. They're a great regular season team, but blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that. The whole point was even if Ke uh, Kevin made some good points, and I think Kevin O'Connor is – Overall, a pretty solid basketball journalist and basketball analyst. I think it's very clear that he doesn't watch Sacramento Kings basketball very often because if he did, he probably wouldn't feel the way that he does and say the things that he does about the Sacramento Kings unless he was just trying to be a troll. But those reactions to the negative when not paying attention to the positive, which more often than not, a 17-10 and 10 Sacramento Kings team, there's more positives to look at than there are negatives. But... If, he's, if, if, if that's his reaction, if he doesn't like the Sacramento Kings and doesn't believe in this Kings team, that's fine. For some reason, he doesn't believe in DeMontis Sabonis, which I think is ridiculous, but I know he's not alone in that. But overall, look, I bring up Kevin O'Connor and I bring up that tweet to say this. A, a loss like that to the best team in the NBA doesn't break a team. Hopefully for a team in the Kings position, a rising team who's, who's trying to become contenders but might not quite be there yet, both experience-wise and maybe even personnel-wise, a loss like that could be, the words that I used were, unnecessary evil. It could be a learning experience. And again, we'll kind of see what the Kings learn from that tomorrow night against Minnesota. That's really the true test. But let's talk about DeMontis Sabonis. He, first off, I'm so glad... And if, uh, those of you who have gone to the game, hopefully you're starting to pick up on that, oh, DeMontis Sabonis. They play that song every time Sabonis dunks or scores damn near, and people are finally starting to pick up on it. I can't wait for the playoffs till you have 18,000 people singing that song. So if you're wondering why they play that song and what people are saying, that's what they're singing. Oh, DeMontis Sabonis. So come on into the Golden One Center next time. When you hear that track, make sure to sing with your fellow Sacramento Kings fans. Not only is the chant awesome, in addition to, of course, the, the Keegan-Murray call and response from Kings PA announcer Scott Moak, Sabonis is just plain awesome by himself. 28 points tonight. 12 of 15 shooting from the field. He was in attack mode right away. Also 12 assists, 11 rebounds. Yeah, that's a triple-double. Sabonis has been unbelievable this season, and he continues to be unbelievable. His fourth triple-double of the year. 
He's a double-double machine, of course. 18 triple-doubles as, as a Sacramento King. I think he has 36. That might be the right number. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think the number is 36 career triple-doubles. Of course, the vast majority of them have come here in Sacramento where he still hasn't played full two seasons. If you go from uh, the trade deadline two seasons ago to the trade deadline this year, that will reach two full seasons that he's been a king, but he's collecting 18 triple-doubles. This is just what DeMontis Sabonis does. And like I said in the introduction, it's crickets from the critics, right? The people that were ripping DeMontis Sabonis to shreds after the playoff series against the Golden State Warriors. And I'll admit, we've talked about it. Sabonis did not play as well as he should and as well as he's supposed to in that playoff series. But unlike those people, myself and many of us here in Sacramento fully understand and fully believe that that was not a, an accurate reflection of who Sabonis is. Sabonis is far better than that. He's proven it on a nightly basis. And if you want to just chalk it up and brush it under the rug and ignore it by saying, oh, he's a good regular season player, that's just an, an, an asinine and, and ridiculous thing to say to ultimately admit to the fact that for many of you, you were wrong about the Sabonis-Halliburton trade. But we don't even need to go there. Right, let's just focus on Sabonis. That's in the past, and we've talked about that before. We put that to bed. Let's just talk about what Demonis Sabonis is doing for the Sacramento Kings. On a nightly basis, he's collecting double-doubles. He's a triple-double threat every time he steps on the floor. And I know I've talked about this a lot so far this season, but Sabonis is typically at his best when he's getting his teammates involved and other guys are taking the spotlight. Tonight, the spotlight was on Domas, and he did so recognizing with Nurkic out, he had a great opportunity uh, with mismatches. There was nobody on the Phoenix Suns that could handle him. He was in attack mode from the very beginning. He led the Kings in scoring tonight with 28 points. We truly, all of us, not so much us here in Sacramento, but we do to some extent. Like, we take Demonta Sabonis for granted. Sabonis has made a double-double not impressive anymore. Like, it's just what he freaking does. Oh, double-digits points and double-digit rebounds? Yep, that's what Demonta uh, Sabonis does. Even to this point, like, a triple-double for Sabonis, like I mentioned, having 18 with the Sacramento Kings. Now, we still celebrate it when we see it, and, and, and we were waiting for a while for him to get the triple-double. He was stuck on nine rebounds from, like, the midway point of the third quarter to probably midway through the fourth quarter. He finally got that rebound to give him a triple-double. He got a great ovation inside the Golden 1 Center. But ultimately, like, DeMontis Sabonis makes a triple-double. He doesn't make it look non-impressive, but we've seen it a lot with him to where it's like, yeah, he's capable of that. It's not as amazing as maybe it was once was when Sabonis first started doing it as a member of the Sacramento Kings. But, of course, a lot of people outside Sacramento, when putting together their ridiculous, whole-riddled arguments against Domas for why he's overrated or why the Sacramento Kings can't win with him and all this nonsense that you hear and see that's cherry-picked from games where he struggles or from the playoff series, which was the only Kings basketball that most of these people watched. Sabonis, this is who he is, right? He's a great player on basically a nightly basis. Now, I asked both Harrison Barnes and Mike Brown about Sabonis after the game, talking about how... We all kind of just take him for granted because of the things that he does. Here's what they had to say about that. Harrison, you've played with a lot of great players in this league over your career. Domanda Sabonis seems to have just normalized a double-double, and now he has 18 triple-doubles, I believe, as a member of the Sacramento Kings. Do you think, whether it's just the NBA circles or whatever, it just takes what Sabonis does for granted because he does it so often? Absolutely. I think sometimes um, even, you know, 
local media or local fans. You know, I think when you just see a guy who comes out there every single night and uh, you just see that type of production, you could just almost, uh, like you said, take it for granted. And I think for us as a team, you know, we see the work that he puts in, uh, the work that he, you know, does on his body to make sure that he's available, you know, every single night. And um, it's just a testament to his commitment to being out there. I think you saw that last year, obviously playing through injury, still going out there, putting up that same production. And this year, continuing to do the same. I mean, that's that's huge for all of us. Um, you know, anytime that we, we feel like we may you know, not be 100% to kind of push through. Mike, a little more on Domas. I think it's four triple doubles this season, 18 is a king. And in addition to that, he just seems to normalize double doubles on a, on a nightly basis now. How valuable is that to have someone that you can almost pencil in that kind of production across the board uh, a night? And do you think people take that for granted a little bit when watching him? You know, when, when great players do stuff like this consistently, um, I think it's natural for uh, people to think, okay, now great game, but not get excited about it just because he does. That's what he does, and so to to be able to recognize it, to highlight it when he does it uh, um, from time to time is big, and it's up to all of us to to highlight it because it's hard. It's hard for it's, so it's almost impossible to be a center and get a triple-double, all right? There's only a couple guys out there. Domus is one of them. Jokic might be the other one. I may be forgetting another guy or two. But it's hard to get a triple-double from the center position, first of all, especially as much as he, he gets them. But a double-double, everybody just thinks it should happen because he always gets double-doubles. And so it, it, I don't think it's malicious when people uh, take it for granted at all. Uh, it's just – expecting what a great player does and just like Foxy you know if Foxy has 27 hey you're supposed to get 27 for us and you're supposed to play defense too uh good game but you did what you're supposed to do for who you are our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with a list of players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Five names for you. Brandon Podsminski, Tari Eason, Grayson Allen, James Wiseman, and Malachi Bronham. Now, Grayson Allen was someone that we saw tonight. I think he finished with 11 points, if I'm not mistaken. Hit a couple of threes. Grayson Allen was pretty active. Overall, a pretty solid fantasy night for Grayson. Not one that's going to eye pop and, and, and not one that's going to be maybe the, a massive difference in you winning your week. But when we're looking for these, these waiver wire pickups and these guaranteed fits, we're also looking for the non-obvious sneaky pickups that could be the difference between you picking up a few points and losing a few points and ultimately winning or falling short each week. A night like tonight, is, is what Grayson Allen can do on a semi-regular basis with the injury to Bradley Beal. His usage rate is up, and he's getting more and more minutes because of how uh, beaten down and, and injured the Phoenix Suns are. So Grayson Allen, he didn't do the best tonight against Sacramento. Grabbed some rebounds, had some good defensive moments, hit some shots from the perimeter. He was one of the few Phoenix Suns that are actually able to get a, a, a couple of three-pointers going. It was a rough three-point shooting night for Phoenix overall. But Grayson's one of those guys that could end up being the difference in your fantasy week. And Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit. And it's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 120 22 million 
parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. You can get brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you get your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Sacramento Kings were annoying tonight. And I say that with a big smile on my face as a complete compliment. The Kings got under the skin of the Suns. The Suns were frustrated. They were discombobulated. Now, I'm sure that how their season has gone to this point also played into that a little bit. The frustrations with not being able to stay healthy. The fact that with tonight's loss, they're 500, 14, and 14 on the season. I think they're right at the final play-in spot as of right now. Still plenty early, and and a team like the Phoenix Suns, the way they're built, assuming they can stay healthy, they're one of those teams that all they kind of have to do is make it to the playoffs, and then they can get hot at the right time with the pieces that they have. So I don't know if there's time, if there's any panicking happening uh, in Phoenix Suns land. If you're a Suns fan, it's, it's hopping over to Locked on Kings for some Kings analysis on tonight's game. Feel free to let me know in the comment section or email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com, just how you're feeling from a, from a Suns standpoint. And if the Sacramento Kings broke you in the way that it seemed to break the Suns at time tonight. I mean, you had that stretch where uh, Kevin Durant, was issued a technical foul after a Suns dunk. It might have been even former King Chimezi Metsu who dunked the ball. The Suns were celebrating it, and Durant was issued a technical foul from the bench. And then after that, Devin Booker was complaining about Durant getting the technical foul or complaining about something. So Devin Booker got issued a technical foul in the same sequence. So in a very weird state of events, we saw Harrison Barnes shoot two technical free throws back-to-back, and then the Kings got the ball, almost like it was a flagrant two penalty, but of course it wasn't. And then a little bit later in the second quarter, after Keegan Murray, I think, forced a over-and-back for uh, um, uh, uh, Kevin Durant, then Frank Vogel got issued a technical foul. And really, I think Vogel did it to save... Durant from picking up his second tactical and getting tossed from the game because Durant was pretty hot after that play too. But more than just getting under their skin and having them be frustrated with the refs, like the Kings were just annoying. Like they didn't allow the Suns to really get or look comfortable. That doesn't mean that the Suns didn't get their points and and, and get to the basket at times. Devin Booker got to the rim kind of at will tonight, but ultimately you held both Booker and Durant to under 30 points. And with a team like the Suns, who's dealing with injuries and struggles with depth naturally, if you can hold those two to under 30, you're in a great position to win a game. And of course, the Sacramento Kings did a really good job with their physicality on defense. They made the Suns feel them. It resulted in a lot of foul calls in that first quarter, the longest first quarter in freaking history, including, I've never seen this before. And those of you who watch this game on TV, maybe you caught it. There was a jump ball between Malik Monk and somebody. Who cares? But in between the call of the jump ball and the ball being tossed, somehow 52 or 53 seconds were added to the clock, and nobody realized it, myself included. None of us did. We all felt like, God, this first quarter was dragging on and dragging on, but it really felt like it was more because of the amount of foul calls and the amount of free throws than it was the actual clock itself. Well, about five minutes after the jump ball, maybe even 10 minutes after the jump ball, 
Suddenly the game is paused and the referee goes over and puts a headset on on the on the table like he's communicating back with the headquarters in New York or New Jersey or whatever. Uh, it's like the same thing they do when they're reviewing a, a foul call or challenging a call. And we're wondering what in the world is being challenged here or what in the world is being reviewed? What's going on? And then it comes over the PA system that there was 53 or something seconds added and nobody freaking realized it. I have no idea how none of us in this arena realized that they just added time to the clock. Maybe you did. Maybe you were here in the Golden 1 Center, you realized it, and you were turning around going, am I going crazy? Did we not just go back in time? No clue. Either way, that first quarter was ridiculous, and a lot of it was because of the foul trouble that both teams were getting in, but really the Sacramento Kings, they were trying to establish themselves with the physical defense. What I like is that the Kings didn't take their foot off the pedal with that defensive physicality as the game went on. They did a better job not hand-checking and not being called for fouls. Some of the foul calls were star-based calls that Durant and Booker were getting, but ultimately the Kings didn't back down and the refs kind of swallowed the uh, the whistle a little bit more in the second half, thank God, or would we, we would have been here until Christmas freaking morning. Either way, I love the physicality that the, the, the Kings played with, and, and this this um annoying defense is, is what the Sacramento Kings can do. In fact, actually, Mike shared with us in the post-game press conference kind of a funny story. Apparently, at one point in tonight's game, Kevin Durant came up to Mike uh, on the bench and and said, Mike, like, what the hell are all the? Why are you throwing so many double double or double teams at me? Like, why are you doing all these double teams? Now you have to remember that Durant and Mike Brown worked together for a few years when Durant was a member of the Golden State Warriors and Mike Brown was an assistant coach there. So they have a pre-established relationship. So they had a fun back and forth. But the double teams were getting to Kevin Durant. Uh, and, and either way, like the Kings' defense was clearly annoying. To be an annoyance on the defensive end, you have to be willing to put in a little bit of extra work, right? Being that just physicality with the on-ball defense, just kind of being a bug, swiping at the ball, jumping passing lanes. Like, to be annoying, you have to have energy, and it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. But I think the Sacramento Kings can be one of those annoying defensive teams to have to play. To even even though like they're not getting a boatload of stops necessarily. They did force 15, I think, turnovers tonight. Let's see, yeah, 15 turnovers leading to 21 Kings points. So they did a good job affecting the Suns in that way. They're still going to give up points, and they're still going to give up shots and have defensive breakdowns, right? But if they can be that annoying defensive team, that's progress. That's something that like, that's something that the Kings can maybe hang their hat on a little bit. And they have players that are good enough to be pests with on-ball defense and with physical defense. I think Keegan Murray's starting to do a good job of that. De'Aaron Fox is more than capable of that. Uh, so I, I, Keon Ellis does a good job of that too. So I like the defense and the annoyance that the Sacramento Kings clearly uh, imposed on, on the Suns. How about the starters tonight for the Sacramento Kings? I already ran through, of course, what DeMontis Sabonis did. But as a starting five, the Sacramento Kings scored 104 of their 120 points. Like, the starters said, yeah, we need to bounce back. All right, main unit, we got this. And that's not to say Malik Monk had a bad night. He had an unbelievable dunk. Now, Keegan Murray rated it a three, which, if you remember back to when Keegan had a nice dunk a couple of, I think it was the beginning of the uh, homestand, if I'm not mistaken, and Malik rated that dunk a three afterwards. So Keegan got a little bit of his revenge. And Mike Brown even backed it, rating the, the, the dunk a two and a half. But it was an, un, it looked like a, sure as hell looked like a 10 to me. I mean, it was an unbelievable dunk that lit up the Golden One Center. It was really, really cool. Um, 
But other like Malik had that dunk and had I think five assists, so he did well off the bench. It wasn't like the bench was terrible; it's just the starters. It was their night to all make an impact. And then you have the big three of the Sacramento Kings, right? Sabonis with his 28, 12, and 11. De'Aaron Fox with his 23 points, seven and six. And then you had Keegan Murray with 21, five and two. You're, if you're getting numbers out of that big three, whatever order, Keegan could have the 28, Fox could have the 11. Sabonis can have the seven and six. It doesn't matter. Like, you're getting these kind of numbers from your main three guys, you can have success, not just in the regular season, Kevin O'Connor, but in the playoffs as well and hopefully to make a big uh, deep playoff run. This is why the Sacramento Kings believe that Keegan Murray is capable of being the third piece of that puzzle. And you add in pieces like Malik and Herter and maybe Barnes, maybe a different wing in the future or Keon Ellis or whatever you want, Trey Lyles. Like, you surround those three with other solid talent. Yeah, this Kings team can be very, very dangerous. So it was great to see the big three. And then, of course, a record-breaking night for De'Aaron Fox, passing up one of my favorite players of all time, Mike Bibby. If you didn't know, I was a huge fan of Mike Bibby as a, as a kid, so much so that I, uh, uh, without my mom knowing, I had my uh, uncle take me to a barber shop and have my hair completely buzzed because I wanted to look like Mike Bibby. Uh, my mom probably didn't like Mike too much after that, but I loved Mike. I idolized Mike. He's one of my favorite players ever, favorite Kings ever, certainly. And De'Aaron Fox passed him up tonight on the Sacram- as the Sacramento-era leader for assists. Not all-time leader. I think that's Oscar Robinson, and he has that pretty comfortably. Oscar has basically all the all-time numbers for the, the Kings franchise, going back to the Royals days. But... As the sa- in the Sacramento era, De'Aaron Fox passed Mike, who coming into tonight, Mike's number was 2,580 total assists. I think Fox is now like 2,582 or 83 or something like that. So congratulations to Fox. That's one of many records that he's going to have. Now, instantly, and I'm sure some of you are thinking this too, like I thought, okay, but where's he at on points, right? De'Aaron Fox is a scoring point guard. So where is he at on points? So I went and checked, believe it or not, in terms of franchise points, De'Aaron Fox isn't even in the top 10 yet. Now, he's only, he just turned 26 years old. He's just entering his prime, assuming he remains a Sacramento King for hopefully his entire career. I think uh, it's only a matter of time before he works himself into the top 10. Hell, he might be in the top 10 by the end of the season. Number one, no surprise, is Oscar Robinson with 22,009 points. Fox has a long way to go to catch Oscar. But the sack era leader, you won't be surprised by this either, is a, a man named Mitch Richmond, also known as The Rock, 12,070 points. Coming into, or rather, uh, De'Aaron Fox now, after tonight, is at 8,598 career points. So he's creeping up, and I think the 10th highest, so to make it into the top 10 of scoring, it's, it's like low 9,000s, like 9,100 or 9,200 or something like that. I didn't write it down, but it's only a matter of time before Fox gets in the top 10 of scoring, and if he keeps at this rate, not only will he own another, if not a lot, of Sacramento Kings records. Uh, there, You know that piglet statue outside the Golden 1 Center that no one freaking understands? Uh, they might tear that thing down and build a statue of De'Aaron Fox at the rate that he's going. He just continues to play so, so well. So congratulations to De'Aaron Fox uh, for uh, setting the new sack era record for total assists. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Thankfully... Mental care and self-care and mental health is something that is becoming not just more of a significant priority in 
daily life and daily medical practices. It's becoming something very important in sports, right? NBA teams have team psychiatrists and things like that that, that, that help with kind of the mental loads of the, the stresses of the NBA job, the ups and downs and things like that that these players face. Mental health is so incredibly important, and I know I've talked about this before. Uh, I'll mention it again. Like, therapy is one of the best decisions that I ever made in my life. I started going and seeing a therapist during COVID, and it's something that I've continued. I go and see my therapist, TJ, every single week, and he's done wonders for me, for my marriage, for uh, just my day-to-day life, my overall just mental health, like, Therapy is a wonderful thing for you to at least try. And one thing I always say, because I was this person, your problems aren't too small for therapy. You don't need to have massive trauma or something horrible happen to you or be grief-stricken or whatever the case may be. We all carry baggage with our day-to-day life, and it might not be as heavy, or it might be even more heavy, rather, than we realize. That's where seeing a therapist is so important. Better help makes that possible. If you're thinking of starting therapy or wanting to give it a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. That's really important because to connect with a therapist, you have to find someone that obviously you connect with, right? And that might take a little bit of time to, to, to try a couple therapists out. BetterHelp won't charge you for trying different ones out. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need, which is BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on NBA to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. Once again, here we are towards the end of the podcast, segment number three of three. Before we bring up Harrison Barnes, now I know you heard from him earlier in the show talking about DeMondis Sabonis, but Harrison had another good night. 19 points tonight, four of eight shooting from three-point range. He was one of the uh, – a couple of kings that caught fire. Keegan Murray got red hot. I think he had like four points at halftime, ended up finishing the game with 21 points, and a lot of those came in the third quarter. Harrison Barnes also got going in the third quarter too. Uh, only one rebound. I know, I know, but we're going to focus on the points. And uh, two steals tonight for HB as well. Did some good things defensively, I thought, against Kevin Durant, which was nice to see. But Harrison has been scoring the ball really well. He's been shooting the ball really well from the perimeter during this month of December. When you're getting that kind of input that helps you space the floor, forcing defenses to respect what number 40 can do on the perimeter, it only opens things up for Fox, Sabonis, Monk, and others uh, to get to work. So Harrison deserves that kind of credit. He's playing at the level that I said I'd be more than happy with from my, uh, my my starting three, especially with that starting three being the fifth option. So compliments to Harrison. Of course, we'd love for the rebounding to be a little bit better. In all, with the exception of DeMontis Sabonis, like the Kings' rebounding was not good tonight. Like they were, they were beaten pretty bad on the boards by the Phoenix Suns despite dominating this game, which I thought was pretty, pretty interesting. So Harrison needs to get better as a rebounder, but a lot of Kings players could have done better rebounding the basketball tonight. Like I mentioned, with this win, the Kings improved to 17-10 and 10 on the season. They're back to seven games over 500. Remember, context is important, and the context of this season is they missed Keegan Murray for a big period of time. They've missed De'Aaron Fox two separate stretch. Well, Fox missed, I think, one game with his more recent injury, but he missed a good chunk of time 
with the uh, the ankle injury, only one game with the shoulder injury. Uh, they missed Trey Lyles for the first, I think, 13 games of the season. So this Kings team has been more banged up than they've been last season. They also offensively have not been as good and have not hit as many shots or shot as well uh, from the perimeter as they did last season. And yet, here they are in a better spot than last season. This team has improved. Defensively, they still have a ways to go, but they're more towards the middle of the pack, which is what we were hoping for from this team. And offensively, we know this team can get even better than they're playing at right now. So things are looking good for Sacramento despite seven of their 10 losses being blowouts. That's what they need to clean up. And so we turn our attention to tomorrow night, right? How will the Kings respond? They're 4-0 and in the first game of back-to-backs. Will they continue to lose and now fall to 0-4 in game two? Will it look any different? Because game one, two, and three on the second night of back-to-backs so far this season has been ugly. I think all double-digit losses, all games for the Kings just look completely out of it. Of course, two of those losses were against the LA Clippers, but regardless, the Kings are taking on a team that, yes, they've beaten. They beat the team, uh, T-Wolves 124-111 to in Minnesota earlier this season. So yeah, they've beaten the T-Wolves and know that they can do it, but that's still the top team in the Western Conference right now. Number one team in the West for a reason. Now, they are going to be without their big man, Carl Anthony Towns. So that's a big loss for them, of course. And maybe DeMontis Sabonis. They still have Rudy Gobert, so Sabonis typically does pretty well against Rudy, but maybe the the paint won't be as packed with with Cat being out, and certainly Cat is a perimeter threat as well. They still have a kid named Anthony Edwards. You ever heard of him? Yeah, Ant, who says that the Golden 1 Center is his favorite arena to play in because he seems to always shoot well in this building. It's not going to be easy for the Kings, even if it wasn't the second night of a back-to-back. So what have the Kings learned from the Boston Celtics game? What have they learned from the three losses earlier this season in the second night of back-to-backs? Will they be mentally tougher? Will they respond when getting punched in the mouth? Will they come out with an energy that is sustainable over the course of the game because in some of these second night of back-to-backs this season we've seen the Kings have a good first quarter and then it all kind of falls apart in the second quarter and the Kings are out of it by halftime let's see if the Kings can learn from that so I'm very interested I'm very intrigued about how tomorrow night is going to go I sure as hell hope for all the paying customers here inside the Golden One Center tomorrow I really hope that it's not how the other second night of a back-to-back has been and hey what a great way to end this road trip, right? Imagine the Kings figure out their back-to-back struggles. They wrap up their road trip going winning five of their six, excuse me, homestand, not road trip, winning five of their six games at home, going eight games above 500, making us all jolly and happy right before Christmas time. It's possible. Hopefully the Kings can pull it off. Of course, I'll be here inside the Golden One Center for that game. If you're coming, hit me up. Let me know. We'd love to see you. Shout out to all you Kings fans uh, that, that came to the game tonight that I got the chance to talk to and meet. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for your support. You don't understand how much it means to me all season long, not just during the holiday season, but truthfully, as corny as this sounds, God, this is going to be gross when I say it, but... Your like your gift to me each year is you listening to the podcast and supporting the show. I don't know why I said it like that, but that's genuinely how I feel. Even it sound if it sounds sappy and and cornbally, but whatever. That's genuinely how I feel. You guys give me gifts every single day with the support that you show this show, making my dream possible of, of covering this team that I grew up a diehard fan of. Uh, your support is unbelievable. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Hopefully, I'll see you at the game. I'll have that podcast before I take a little bit of a break for the Christmas holiday, but let's see if the Kings 
actually, let's speak it into existence. Let's watch tomorrow night inside the Golden 1 Center where the Kings finally get rid of the curse of the second night of a back-to-back. They end their homestand 5-1, and one, and they go into the Christmas season with a win over the Minnesota Timberwolves for the second time this year. We're speaking it into existence. Can't wait to have you join me whether they win or they lose, or should I say when they win. Join me here on the Locked on Kings podcast tomorrow night. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.